Welcome to Speaking Out. We're mainly discussing land rights and economic empowerment. Aboriginal enterprises in mining, exploration and energy. to talk a little bit about uh, Indigenous constitutional recognition. With Larissa Berendt. It's a fresh view coming on. ABC Radio. How do we bring this wisdom from Indigenous leadership to these tables so that we can be part of the process of informing the think tank going forward? How do we all learn together? Most importantly, how do we unlearn? Indigenous perspectives on law. This is Speaking Out. I'm Jay McAllister. For the past few years, there has been an increased desire to engage with traditional Indigenous knowledge systems and ideas. But what can the broader Australian community learn from First Nations people? Advocates for an Indigenous voice to Parliament claim it will ensure Indigenous voices are heard and considered in policy decisions. Australians will be able to decide on the viability of the voice proposal at a referendum set to take place in this term of the federal parliament. Sydney Law School at the University of Sydney recently played host to their annual lecture on Indigenous peoples and law. This year, the keynote address was delivered by Dr Anne Paulina and Malik Bredesat. The lecture aimed to provide Indigenous perspectives on law and highlight how traditional knowledge can be utilised in contemporary Australia. Introductory remarks were delivered by First Nations lawyer-in-residence, Teela Reid. Let's listen in now. I have been so fortunate to know Malika for many years now, and I truly am in awe of her wisdom, her generosity and her respect for her people. We have often said in the past, despite our physical bodies being on opposite sides of this continent, our spirits like to dance. I also got to listen to Dr. Anne Polina speak um, at the National Native Title Conference on Ghana Country. You were both powerful beyond measure. As a litigator working at the intersection of both the Native Title Act, a federal act, and the Aboriginal Land Rights Act, a state act, your work allows us to think creatively about new ways of imagining exercising our rights beyond the limitations of Western legal systems, how we care for country and how country cares for us. This morning over brunch, Malika said something that only if you are in some circles of First Nations communities that you would have a strong understanding of, which is about kinship and the way in which our communities are governed. She mentioned her role in this lecture was to open it and that her mum comes in and she then is the one with the authority to finish. And by that, I mean... Malika to understand not just Dr. Anne Polina, the academic, but a person who has authority in her community and to her people and most definitely Malika's mum. I think it's so critical to emphasise this point. Lectures like this are not a privilege just because someone has walked into an institution, got the piece of paper and gone home. We are so fortunate tonight because of the authority that you come with, and that's the authority of your people. This is truly rare. As part of my role at Sydney Law School, I recently went back to Turtle Island 
Um, I was fortunate there to meet many academics in Canada. They spoke of your work for the Matawara, your building of knowledge and your living ancestor. Your relationship to one another, your land and your kinship is powerful and it is palpable. It is something I sometimes write about when I talk about the First Nations matriarchy as a kinship system. Who has authority to speak? Who has authority to make decisions about the land? And who has authority to tell these stories? Recently, Sydney University released its 2032 strategy. It aims to deepen the university's understanding and its commitment to one Sydney Many People strategy that expires in 2024. If we are serious about these aspirations, we must centre these conversations and create space that these yarns are the core of every student experience and not just a side note to their journey in formal education, particularly within the law. We have an ancient jurisprudence here that is living, and tonight I have no doubt that will be a testament to that. Thank you. Over to you, Malika. Nyajuno Niloa Maleka, Nayo Yamarawara Manan, Niloa Giagoya and Palina, Jaida Boro Eora. I've said my name is Maleka, and I'm very lucky to be here with my mother, Dr. Anne Palina. We're standing on the Eora Nation of the Gadigal people, and it's a real privilege to be here and share this space with her. I attended this university on these beautiful lands, and in my first year, we did not have an Indigenous JD graduate. We did not have an Indigenous person as the First Nations sales officer for more than a full term, sorry, for even a full term, and we did not have the unit Indigenous People in Public Law. This place has changed a lot, and I'm very grateful to those changes recently. When I was here, although I was 5,000 kilometres away from home, I felt a sense of familiarity because my father had been here as well. He had started the relationship that I was then able to continue and it made me feel safe in this strange new environment. It's an interesting thing, relationships, especially when we're talking about country. For myself, I feel very privileged that I have the ability to talk to country, and it talks back. And the country here is alive just as it is in the river country that I grew up in. As Tony Birch says, no matter how much concrete, it's still country. When you look around this campus, in this room, out there into the parks, we have a society. You see one. There's 75,000 students and its own postcode. But one of the interesting things that I want you to think about now is when you think of a society, do you include only the human beings or are you also looking out to the possums, the birds, the plants, the insects? Because when we make decisions about legal, social or economical factors, we've got to think about our whole society. If you have a single species society, we are only making decisions for that society. In Aboriginal law, or for at least myself in Nigana law, first law, we have a totem or a jutting. It's a relationship that allows you to start to naturally build your society beyond human beings. And when you have one of those relationships, it comes with more relationships. My cousin Edwin, his totem or jutting is the eagle and with that he also has a relationship to boab trees and barramundi 
So you can see how this network in your society continues to build and build and build. It changes not just decision-making, but everything you do, even something as basic as eating. Now that I know my relationship with everything on my country, if I eat the muggling or baby boab shoots, I feel a sense of fondness and also empathy because I know their mother is watching. It's a new relationship with food and it's such an important part of life. I see young men hunting and I suppose killing goannas and barnies, but before they cook it, they give it a hug. There is a level of respect and love in this process. So for me, what I want you to understand is that not only is it animals and plants that we have a relationship with, but it is all natural elements. It is elements such as water, rocks, trees, earth, wind. Some people actually have the jutting of the wind. And for me, this expansion of society means that we can be much better decision makers. Very proud of my country and I'm very grateful that I've been able to grow up there and also have time in Sydney. I've been able to fuse the two worlds for myself and see what one has and what the other has to offer. And I'm very lucky that I've had so much time there. For me, I started law and I had all these ideas of what I thought success would mean. But when I returned home and I was regrounded in my country, I realized that success is looking after country now and for future generations. And now that I have my own son, all of this has become even easier. I made that short film using archive footage and I used words that my mother had written and my brother speaks the words in it. We all have a part to play in storytelling. I believe that film is a great way to share with people because we come from a tradition of oral storytelling. I don't want everything to be done in publication to confirm the legitimacy of written words. I think there is so much value in what we have been doing since the beginning of time, which has allowed us to maintain our existence in a peaceful way. I believe that before you can go on through the rest of this conversation around first law, you must also understand the philosophies and the intricacy of the language that we use as well. Words such as bugaragara have no direct translation here. But yet for us, it is so simple. It is the beginning of time and all of the knowledge we've gained since then, used in this moment to protect the future. We have words, like I said before, of jutting totems, which is not just you picking an animal you want to connect with, it's a lifelong responsibility for you to protect that, for you to observe it as a bioindicator, and for you to speak up when you see something bad happening to it. We have so much to offer you, yet we have been pushed into some kinds of stereotypes, such as what Brendan spoke about before. I'd like to introduce you to Cousin Edwin, because he is just a beautiful, magical man who can really open up wisdom of first law and first languages. We'll now play Edwin's video. It is good to um, talk for country, but talk to country, not talk for country, but talk to country. It is good for you, um, mental state where you, you meditate with your thought of mind. And it's good for the exercise within your mind to, to, to exercise that. Like I was saying, we can speak to the earth, we can speak to the bird, bees, and the grass, and the trees. 
knowing when we leave that place, we know that they're listening. Our ancestors used to do that long before European came here. And our elders today, they still want us, they're teaching us that. They want us to embrace that story. Knowing that when you speak in language, like for an example, if I were to say, Yang Anjala Jul, meaning, are you, why you balance within the conscience, within yourself? Or other ways of saying it, are your mind and heart, spirit and soul aligned with the earth that which you walk on? Knowing that when we walk on this earth, the earth, the earth can actually feel our presence. See, it's a different mind. He would say, I'm actually speaking to the earth. And with that, with that vibration, I feel that there's a, there's a trans- transmission that is bouncing off from the earth, wanting me to understand that they can feel my presence. That's how we speak. English speak different way. I love that for Edwin, there's such a sense of this being reality, not just spirituality. It is real for him and it is real for all of us as well if we choose it to be. You can ask yourself in the morning if your head and heart is aligned with country or you can continue to ignore country as you go about your day. That choice is yours. For me, I actually enjoy practicing metta for country. It's a beautiful practice where you lay down or you sit somewhere and you wish it love and kindness or at the least no suffering. When you give country that time and thought, it recognizes you, it remembers you, and you will be welcome back. First Nations people have so much to offer, particularly around first law. These are the legal systems that we have been generating since thousands of years of living with a particular place. We understand that place, we talk to it, we know what it needs. We understand that in the Fitzroy River, you have the modular plant, which you can use for hunting, which removes the oxygen out of the water. You take your fish sustainably, and the sawfish urinates and put oxygen in again. This is a symbiotic relationship, and every piece has their place. It is not for human beings to take over society. We must expand our definition and include everything that is alive when we make decisions. I also like to say thank you to a few people here today who have been part of my journey moving through the law school, moving into film, and now into my PhD. Because all of us that have been part of this process, all of us here tonight, and all of us choosing to make a positive relationship with country for climate change, are rewriting the history which will one day be the new Bugadagada. So thank you all for being here. Listening to Speaking Out. It just comes down to showing, sharing, you know, respecting. The world from an Indigenous perspective on ABC Radio. This is Speaking Out on ABC Radio, Radio National, Radio Australia, on podcast and the ABC Listen app. I'm Jay McAllister. And if you like what you're hearing, why not rate us on your app? That way other people can find us and hear our stories too. What can the broader Australian community learn from First Nations people? This was a central focus of a recent forum hosted by Sydney Law School at the University of Sydney. We'll bring you more from the conversation shortly, but first some music from Emma Donovan. 
speaking out. That's the key to it all, keeping connected to country. On ABC Radio. On the presence of Garigal country and Garigal nations. In my language, I said, Hello, my name is Anne Polina. I am a woman from the Marawara, the Fitzroy River. In my language, we acknowledge the river system because the river is what gives us our identity. What we say as Indigenous people is that the land is alive, the rivers are alive, and they hold memory. They hold memory in the landscape and they are here in this moment in time. Malika spoke of Bugaragara, of the past, the present and the future, fused into this moment in time in which we must act as decent and good human beings. We spoke of the Jarinj, the totem, which is a creature that we are bonded to life, for life. And can you believe that an animal can teach you how to be a good and decent human being. And so we move through this time and this place and we are faced with something and a question which is not just for our nation, but it is for the world. When is it time to create peace with Indigenous people and with nature? And this question is being asked right across the planet as we move through a time of not just climate change, but climate chaos and now climate wars. And we look at this and we look across the world and all of the different people who are standing with us and saying, IPBES, IUCN, all of the people are saying that it is indigenous people across the planet who have contributed the least amount to the chaos and yet the burden that we carry is great and sometimes unbearable. Tomorrow, I think on the 10th, Sydney has recognised a gift to this nation and a gift to the world with the awarding of the Sydney Peace Prize. And we ask and we say, as Malika has said, that we come from a world of what? Of the first scientist? people who practice eugenics, engineers, archaeologists, anthropologists, singers, dancers, storytellers, songtellers. And what do we bring to the table today? What we say in terms of climate change is that we are dealing with complexity. And if we, as thinking and acting people, are not factoring in the oldest indigenous knowledge system on the planet, how can we truly go forward in peace and harmony? And so we stand here today and we have come very far. And the beginning of this year, we were here in the presence of recognizing the Baramata. In the rivers of life, rivers are communicating. They are talking across the globes and asking, what are the humans doing? I remember several years ago um, in the work that I do at Montpellier in France in the water space, and we had one of the scientists come and stand on the bank, and he was talking to the elders, and he said, do you realise the oldest river in the world is Lemurs? 
And he wondered why the elders didn't jump up and say, how could that be when we're standing on the Madawara? And so he was quite anxious that nobody challenged his provocation. And so that night when I went to cook the meal for the elders and I sat near the fireside and they said to me, that man, he said the Marawara was the old, uh, the Lemurs was the oldest river in the world. And this was 12 years ago and I said, yes, he did. And they said, you are going back to France next week, aren't you? And I said, yes. And they said, would you track and find the headwaters of Lemurs? And would you kneel and you say to Lemurs that we have sent some of the memory of the Marawara because if you are the oldest river in the world, you will tell us what the humans have done. And so we communicated, I wrote a play, it was performed in Belgium and France, and we created another story called Two Rivers Talking. And then several years ago, I wrote another play that was performed in France, and it was called A Song for the Marawara. Because what we find as humans is that we keep taking from the rivers. We very rarely give back. And so the second play that I wrote was a song for both rivers. And so what we're saying is that this landscape, Australia, is ancient. It is filled with amazing wisdom. And that is what the Sydney Peace Prize is doing. It is recognising and valuing that the gift of wisdom and love and this value and ethics of care is coming from Indigenous people from this nation. But it is very, very difficult to have reconciliation and truth-telling when we continue to have invasive, unjust development. We are standing here today talking about First Law and how it can sit quite comfortably right now if there was the political goodwill to do so. And so I thought, ah, oh, my daughter has done a law degree, I have not. And so I thought, what is the quick way that we cheat on Google? And I looked up Wikipedia and I said, what does Wikipedia say about, about law? Law is a set of rules created and enforced by social or government institutions to regulate behaviour. Now, when I look at first law and I hear the stories that our old people have told from the beginning of time, these first law stories talk about values, talk about ethics, talk about code of conduct, of how we negotiate human to human, how we're going to be civilised, how we will be civil to each other, how we will not do the things that will challenge another human being and bring them into disrepute. So what First Law does, it gives us as human beings the values, the ethics, the codes of conduct to self-regulate, and that's where it's different to White Law. So what we learned, and we have done this for thousands of years, is that we come from a world of reciprocity, of sharing, of caring, of building an ethics of care, importantly, of love, that everything around us is place-based and has a right to live and reach its full potential. So when I came here, I thought, what could I share as someone who does not really understand white law but has been confronted by it all my life, my grandmother's life, my great-grandmother's life, my daughter's life, and now my gamera, 
my grandson. And so what we're saying is that how can we bring this fusion together of first law with crown law and Western law? And we can if there's the political goodwill to do that. We are talking about standards and merit and rules of evidence and the things that we bring in song and dance and ceremony and storytelling are these rules of evidence to show how we must be challenged to live in a world where we can, as Australians, reach a point that we recognise that Indigenous people have a right to see property as a true property right, to one day consider that we may have a human rights bill in this country, to have other laws that help us to find our way. Now the question is, which I recently wrote in a submission to the United Nations, what do we do about lawful, awful laws? That is a very big question. And so Malika and I come from a very strange place. It's called Western Australia. <laughs> and we can laugh and we can be good spirit about it. But what have we done in that state? We have created a law to allow the willful destruction of sacred sites. We are currently making a law right now to, to really transfer crown land, pastoral leases for the big hydrogen projects. We are currently revisiting and redefining and redrafting a water law from 1914. Currently, as we stand here today, we're in a conversation of looking at biodiversity law. And when questioned at these workshops about what do we think about these laws, particularly all the laws I've spoken to, particularly around bioprospecting and biodiversity, I said what we are seeing is the surrendering of our last piece of property rights. And so what the challenge is, is that with these lawful, awful laws, we know that we are in a moment in time in this country where many laws are not fit for purpose. We're currently going through a review of the Samuel Report in terms of the EPBC Act, where we're looking at what are the standards for regulating better practice. We are seeing ministers say that they will not respond to the voices of individual native title, traditional owners, custodians, guardians. They will only do business with representative groups. So what we're saying is that in order to walk forward and to look at how do we shift from climate chance, climate change to climate chaos to have a climate chance, we need Indigenous wisdom. We as Indigenous people have lived with the Anthropocene. We shaped it. We lived with it. We nurtured this community and society. So what this conversation today with Malika and I is, is to stimulate a conversation to really look at not just dialogue, but dialogic action. How do we transform these systems of power? Because what I see under white law is that we are not equitable under that law. It is privileged to power, to money, to the politics of economics, when our investment should be in the politics of well-being. So what we're saying today is that we want to encourage you to be expansionist, to think about your mind, to get to know Indigenous people. I think the last statistics, and my husband always says, you make sure you get those facts right, but I think the previous statistics were saying, and this is possibly not the ones just happened, but the ones before, 
that over 60% of Australians still have not met an Aboriginal that they could call their friend. The thing that I take hope in is that this nation is transforming itself. There is a pluriverse here of other people who have come from other nations across the world who see and be in the world a different way. So I have great hope that this pluriverse will transform our nation in time. And we can see that in Parliament right now. We can see that we have people not just from multicultures, but from multi-faith and spirituality. So a couple of um, months ago, I did an open letter to the Prime Minister with Climate Council. We still have not heard back. Two weeks ago, with multi-faith people and 100 leaders from across this nation in the Pacific, we wrote also to the Prime Minister. We've got some big ticks in the financial review, but we are still waiting for that door to open. What we are saying as Indigenous people is that this leadership, this governance, this ancient wisdom that we have comes from a moral law of obligation to do the right thing right now. And so what we're saying is that it's time what we call wake up the snake wake up the consciousness of the people to bring the people with us. And so when I look across our nation and I see the grave injustice in terms of wealth creation from the multinationals and to see that doctors are struggling, $49 for a Medicare rebate and many of them are leaving, that a lot of the centres that we've created to, for our social good are imploding where I live, we have young people living in cars because they can't afford to rent. So one of the things we're saying is that what is the purpose of law? Is it to create a place of peace, of harmony, of balance, of justice and equity? And these questions stand before all of us. So Malika and I, um, you know, Malika's taught me a lot as well. I make a film, it goes for half an hour, and Malika says, Mum, people don't have time to watch something that long. And so, therefore, she has become very amazing with her filmmaking and five minutes. And so, really, with all of this, what we're saying is that we need to see ourselves as fellow Australians, as a pluriverse of nations within a nation. This is your country now. Your DNA is embedded in this cultural landscape. You have become part of this memory and the land is looking at all of us to say, can we have a climate chance? I think we can, I believe we will. And I believe in a moment in time, maybe not now, but hopefully in my grandson's time, he will not need to be standing here because as indigenous people, we will have the right to design and choose our own destiny, but that will never happen without all of you standing with us. So in terms of closing, I want to now leave you with a provocation, which is a poem that I've written and created into a film, and um, I would really appreciate it if those that are playing the film don't continue into the credits, just switch it off at the end. But this is about singing Yungugu, and that as Indigenous people impacting on day-to-day -day our lives with invasion, with unjust development. We still are waiting now because we've heard that all of us across this planet have the right to live in a clean environment, free of pollution, of harm, 
free of genocide, of ecocide. And so I want to ask the filmmakers at the back if they would mind putting the, the film on. And I would just want to leave a bit of space because we don't normally talk to you. We talk with you. And so I'm creating a space that um, maybe there's a couple of minutes that while Malika and I are here, that you may want to ask some questions because we will be returning 5,000 kilometres away. So for that, if you wouldn't mind playing, um, singing Yungrugo, and look at this as a provocation and hear the voice of the Madawara, because the Madawara now is, one, a published author, it has agency, it has standing, and tomorrow and in a week's time I'm meant to be on the Wanganui, the Fanganui in New Zealand, because when I heard of that revolution and the transformation of personhood for a river into being protected by Māori people in New Zealand, I was so excited and I came back and I said to the elders, do you realise a river has got personhood? And they looked at me and they said, not a human being? And so the work that we are doing with legal scholars is pushing the boundaries to recognise that really when you look across the globe, what you see is that it has been Indigenous leaders standing at the front line of unjust development who have led the rights of nature. And what we're saying now is that it is time to listen to the land, to the people of this ancient space, and recognise ancestral personhood. Galeo Mabu, thank you. I am Yungurku, the singing rainbow serpent, travelling high up in the sky and down through the rivers, the air and the sea, the river and the soil. I feel a great sadness now, carried by many people. They cry out and ask, what is happening in our nation, in our country, in our home? I see below me floods and fires crisscrossing the land, big storms and harsh heat. Our knowledge of country ignored by government and bureaucracy. Wake up, I say to you, and hear my belly crawl. Wake up, maybe, one last time, and listen to Bruce Pascoe's call. There's wisdom here, heavily rooted intrinsically between Aboriginal nations. Their land living waters, sea and sky, Aboriginal voices being muted in their protection of our rivers, crying out, we need to be recognised, defrauded, diseased into staying quiet, now through their mourning awakening others to their calling, recognised, reconciled and healing, a united transformation in order to fully nurture the Australian nation. This Australia, taken by theft from a lineage of ancestral custodians, it's time to pause and take a deeper breath. 
Rivers must have a right to life, and their contribution to all other life must be protected. Some are fearful that the humans lead their own extinction. I have hope in human beings, for living water lives within them too. It's their life they must save if they are to continue living on Mother Earth. Mother Earth covered in living waters, cradled beneath the sky. I keep on singing as I believe a coalition of hope is coming. The Madawara Fitzroy River Council is calling a circle of elders, wise people from across the nation, to come to our river country, share the stories of development, protection. And new economies, culture, conservation, science, tourism, renewable energy—this can be a future. Let the policy reflect these northern development indigenous dreams and plans for growth. Investing in sustainable and fair trade through indigenous hands, traditional owners are standing up, supporting economic growth and prosperity. Heaven knows how hard it has been. Enslaved, poisoned, imprisoned, and dispossessed, stripped of their land since George Gray's 1837 expedition first mapped these western frontier estates, surely now don't come to them with an unsustainable Fitzroy River management plan. Stand together in good faith, free informed consent. Stand with the Madawara Fitzroy River Council for a fair go. A circle of elders could hear these stories and frame new ways to build the forever industries. Industries grounded in climate science, human rights, and environmental justice. Cooperation, not conflict. Unity, not divide and conquer. Collaboration, not manipulation. Cultural synthesis, not cultural invasion. Done hand in hand with fellow Australians. Reaching out to global networks to achieve the Paris targets, and transition from fossil fuels to renewables, valuing the sunk cost investment of this globally unique Fitzroy River, a riverine system not found anywhere else on the planet. Stop the invasion, the continuing colonisation. Let's recognise the original West Australians, their right to freedom. And justice upon their tribal estates. Recognise them for their collective wisdom: science, farming, engineering, medicine and healing, diverse trade, innovation and ceremonies. Indigenous nations believe they have a fiduciary duty as custodians and guardians. Legislative river protection acts across the whole country. This must be done before it's too late. Earth jurisprudence. First law, law of the land. This is the cry from the Aboriginal nations of this wide brown land. This has been the message championed through the rivers of the MDB. Rivers have the right to life; they must flow free. This must become a nation's songline, if the Australian bloodlines are to hold the past, present, and future strong. I sing this to you, singing the River Law song for people and country.
I might ask Tila then to come back up and share that wonderful word from your culture about respect. Thank you, Malika, for, and, and for allowing me to share your space. Um, the word Malika is referring to is Yinjimara. And Yinjimara is a word, a Rajari word, that I learnt early days um, back on country, like many of the stories and lessons passed down to me. I mean, I didn't know at the time, but the campfire was a powerful classroom, wasn't it? It also doesn't have a very good translation into English. English is actually quite limiting when you think about Aboriginal languages. But Yinjimara, if you try and distill it, it means to live with respect, to show respect, to do respect upon others and, ha and have that respect reciprocated. So that, that is the word. And I, maybe I'll share another one as well, which, cause I, I like, if you haven't seen Malika's video footage on her page, um, where she shares lots of her amazing, uh, language from her country. The other word, um, well, I should say, yeah, that I, that I like to live by in Miradjuri language is called Garayala. And Garayala means speak the truth. And I think as a country, we're hearing this notion of garayala or truth-telling or speak the truth often. And if you go to, into any First Nations community, and I love seeing the footage from your country because I think it's so, you know, symbolic of a lot of nations you walk into where you see old people sitting around doing the hard work, speaking the truth, doing their garayala work. And it's not as if it's not already happening in this colony it's just that this country does not want to be held accountable for the Garayala, for the truth-telling. And um, I love the sharing of languages, so thank you for that opportunity. I think one of the things that Taylor also just touched on is also the idea of, you know, telling the truth. And one of the things I've been learning as I've become a young professional is also how it feels for somebody to lie to you in a workplace, how it feels for somebody to lie to you in a classroom or as a friendship. In my culture, lying or trickery is the worst thing you can do to another human being. So I think that's really interesting that in our culture that is so ingrained that you would not lie to another person, yet in contract law, it all has to be very much above board. For us, an oral contract is enough and that shows that we have trust between ourselves. Yeah, um, one of the things we talked about was Walangari law, which is the law for the river. But where we come from, there's also a regional law, a regional governance model that was based on watershed and from a total regional perspective. So one of the things in terms of when people say, oh, what do you want to do with the Fitzroy River? What we want to do is create a dialogic space around a bioregional framework. Now, this is Commonwealth policy till 2030, so it's actually embedded in a po policy process. And what we're saying is that we're going back to the old ways because when we look at looking after the commons for our common good, it was always from a regional place-based perspective because everything is connected, salt water to fresh, the desert to the ranges, to the sea. So what we're saying in terms of the work we're doing is 
I'm not sure if many people are aware, but in terms of the constitutional reform, there is a conversation about where we put Indigenous people into the constitution. But one of the big gaps that I don't hear a lot of conversation about is also where is the place for local government? And what, we're, what I'm seeing, having been in local government and on that journey, is that we need to go back to the old way of regional governance models, looking at places the size of Sydney, looking at what the watersheds are doing, and looking at from that whole perspective of caring for the commons, for our greater common good through a bioregional framework. So I would say that uh, I think there's, because it is federal policy, I think the timing is pretty good. Um, the only place that I see this happening in Australia is, guess where? In the Blue Mountains. So it's very, very unusual. We have the mechanism, we have the policy, we just need the opportunity to come together because what we said is that we are dealing with complexity and so we need collective wisdom and Indigenous people need to frame that pluriverse for all of us. It's interesting, because remember what I said in terms of when we bond in a moral obligation to negotiate what civil society should look like? How do we do that? And so I hear this word about a Commonwealth or a federal human rights bill, and in a way we should be questioning why do we need that? If the laws were so rigorous and so fair and justice was equitable for everyone, including the environment and multi-species justice, we should be able to negotiate and move forward. So I believe that the day will come when we will have a human rights bill. We've recently seen the United Nations declare that everyone sitting in this room has a right to live in an environment free from contamination, pollution, and to be able to reach their full potential as a human being. So we have many, many laws that regulate many, many purposes. And I think the thing that we want to bring as Indigenous people is that we need to come to a moment in time where we need to be looking at this from a regional-based perspective and then working out. But there are so many awful, lawful laws, and I think some of that is how do we work together? How do we bring this wisdom from Indigenous leadership to these tables so that we can be part of the process of informing the think tank going forward? How do we all learn together? Most importantly, how do we unlearn? So these are the challenges that we have before us, is to put these big stories up, we're dealing with complexity. How do we bring in collective wisdom, acknowledging that we're in a pluriverse and we're all on one planet and work together and come up with the solutions collectively? We have the capacity to transform our nation, but at the moment I do not feel that the political goodwill is there. And so this is why we're saying, in a way, the revolution needs to be lift, lifted by the people. This place that I talked about, WA, we are dumbing down democracy. We are muting the upper house so we no longer have regional representation, having a voice and allowing diversity. So I think it's a case of, um, you know, someone said to me, strategic litigation must always be the last result. How do we have this dialogue? How do we stand as a nation? How do we acknowledge that in two days' time we will be acknowledging a Sydney Peace Prize to the world for leaders who have stand and said, we've got to do a different way of going forward? So from that perspective, I think it's, you know, um, we are not experts in everything, and that's what we said. Pluriverse is out there. We need each other. We need to come to a point that every Australian 
must see this place as their home. Embedded in it is their DNA, not just for now, but for the future. And most importantly, I want to close with a comment by a colleague of ours, um, Professor Stephen Mukey. The voice must be the voice of the young people because it is their future now that we are stealing from them. So thank you. That's Dr. Anne Paulina. She was speaking at the University of Sydney as part of their annual lecture on Indigenous peoples and law. You also heard from Malika Prudisat and First Nations lawyer in residence, Teela Reid. That's the show for this week. Join us again next week as we take a look back at some of the most important and pressing issues of the past 12 months. You can email the program speaking out at abc.net.au and find us on social media via ABC Indigenous. I'm Jane McAllister. 